You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and uh, we're in the studio today. Special dubbed out. 420 Smokers edition of the show with uh, Ghost Producer, a.k.a. Roz Messini, and Dave Q. They're each going to be playing us some tunes and uh, talking about their work. And starting off the show, we're going to get right into the mix with Ghost Producer, who's going to be playing us some of his original productions for the first part of the show here. So stay tuned. We'll be here for the next two hours. This is The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
producer is now in your world. Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio, 420 edition. It's actually 420 right now. Smoke them if you got them. Uh, we've been in the mix with Ghost Producer, which is the latest alias of Raz Mesenai, I guess best known as Badawi. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the music you, that little mini set you did there? Is that, those are your own productions or Um, what's going on here? Not exactly. Those are using instruments I developed uh, and uh, a few methods I I, uh, put together using uh, analog and digital interfaces and using feedback. So I've just been spreading around. It's called Freakatone. And so mostly a lot of sketches that I just was piling on top of each other right there. (laughs) But I'll get into some more... uh, refine stuff after we speak so that kind of ties in about a bit with the those those albums you did with olive or for olive's label where you had like the string quartet on four different records where the dj yeah that was a non-olive's uh that was for the lincoln center uh i was premiered at lincoln center and it was uh, for turntables so you had a string quartet for four turntables in other words violin on one turntable right a violin another uh viola and because yeah and uh we were doing something called uh he was calling them vinyl scores right and uh yeah that was that was that was a cool scene but yeah did, did olive and toshio never get that one out because they were gonna i know i have a white label that they gave me of one that i, <laughs> I don't know about it <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know about it. I mean, I knew they were talking about doing something, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I huh. mean, I'll have to look that up. I might have an extremely in, in fact, Dave rare right record. here. Dave put it up on the uh, Dub War podcast, like a version of it, because it can be played a million times. Somebody like playing their version of yeah. The... Philip Jack did a version that I still haven't gotten a recording from because some guy asshole won't give it to me. So you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of them around, probably more than I know of. Right. Because um, they sold some of the scores and then people do them. Yeah. So you've been at this for this this being music, electronic music, for yeah. a really long time now. I mean, I know I first met you at one of my very first gigs at CMU in Pittsburgh in like '96. That's right. Yeah, that was fun. But that wasn't. I was a noob then. I think you had been at it for a while already. Um, yeah. I mean, I started. Well, I started selling my stuff like you know in the street in 1989. You know, and then. It picked up, you know, three years later. I started getting more, you know, I, I met John Ward around 1991 or 92. I started Sub-dub. coming to, to the mastering studio, Sterling Sound, around then, and and picking up, you know, knowledge uh, in between that time. So, yeah, 
So in 89, when you were selling on the street, were you literally like one of those guys on Broadway that's exactly. like, do you like hip hop? No, no, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like those guys came later. That's like, you know, I, I really blamed liberal arts colleges for that because. Uh, <laughs> do you like Philip Glass? <laughs> it was funny about those times is that um, the, the thing that was funny about it was everyone was selling DJ mixes, right? Yeah. And so I was producing stuff, all kinds of shit, and calling them by different names. So I was making up pseudonyms because I found out that people would buy more cassettes if they saw that it was different people, like a huge amount of people that they didn't know. As opposed to now, where you no one will buy a compilation yeah. by people they don't know. They'll only buy a compilation by people they already have, and they already even have those tracks on their desktop. Yeah, that was... A sp I mean, so. there's still people doing that today, but that I feel like yeah. that was especially huge in the 90s where you mm -hmm. would find out, or actually a lot of people probably didn't figure out until many, many years later that all these 20 pseudonyms were <laughs> one artist <laughs> just trying to sell them more records. Yeah, I had literally 20 names or something, so I'd do some ambient music. I did a lot of stuff that maybe would sound like gabber right now and, right uh, and uh didn't you do some acid house too totally yeah, yeah. it's way way into that i mean i got into music because of b-boy uh break dancing that's why i got into music i know it doesn't sound that way but um <laughs> it's, but, evolved. Uh, it's true it's evolved i don't know but it's uh it's just it's a journey you know you you kind of find it, music kind of tells you where to go sometimes if you follow through with uh with uh it and explore it it sort of leads you on your journey and next thing you know you're uh in combat or somewhere who knows you know? yeah so yeah so play music for it. after all these years in the industry you did subdub records a lot of badawi albums that were well they were huge for me thanks at this point um you're one of my favorite facebook friends for your just thank you amazing cranky. everyone everyone ran a kickstarter to keep me on facebook i was like i'm going off and then there was this <laughs> this whole pledge so they gave me a t at, at this point 15 grand is the total amount that people raised <laughs> for me to stay on facebook for another 15 days wow to yeah. keep that going you gotta hustle in new york yeah but you're the uh, general tenor of your post is you're disgust with the music industry, I oh, feel like. Oh, yeah, And how did, the, I mean, what... Okay, look. What, is, what has happened to you? <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> what happened to you that you, you all, have so much hatred for no, the no, music industry there's after? There's something I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, just people don't understand. I have a, an engineer named Lenny, and he posts on my Facebook page. And so I can't take credit for everything. Sometimes he goes on and he posts, because he sucks at really engineering music so so i try to get him to do jobs while i'm working on the music so anyway that's mostly him so uh and uh my my disgust with the music industry you'd have to really like find a post which you know maybe like i was bill o'reilly you could like find a post and then tell me what it was that you're talking about because i'm not aware of it <laughs> and with, with the current administration i think i'm i'm able to say that and just be like well i'm not aware of what you're speaking of and I could probably just get away with that. But anyway, come at me, bro. Come on. Man. <laughs> on so we're just going to blame blame Lenny. Well, blame Dave because he brought alcohol to the to a <laughs> to a Red Bull show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I mean, where do you start with the music industry, right? I mean, where do you fucking start? Dave? I mean, you've seen I mean, I'm just I'm asking you because I feel like you mm. you've been at this since 89. Okay. You're still at it. You I feel like you've kind of seen it. Well, look, all. I, 
You've seen every. It seems like you've seen everything that can possibly go wrong. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, well, I won't bore Dave with, again with my Frank Sinatra story. We'll tell that another time. But um, it changes every time. <laughs> slightly, yeah, slightly. Oh, come on, we want to hear the Frank Sinatra story. But the thing about uh, music industry is like, like I said, I was producing my own stuff, putting them on cassettes, selling them myself in the street. So. I was sort of was dealing with things in a different way then. Like if someone ran off with the box of, of cassettes, I could chase them down the street and beat them down. And now it's like, I can't, I don't know who to call. I don't yeah. know who to find, you know. Um, and so that's not really the biggest current concern right now. We're way ahead of that. Um, so I, I sort of, I would say I'm on strike for the music industry. I don't try too hard, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm not looking for shows. I'm not sending out demos. I, I've refrained from being a part of it, and as, as a lot of people have noticed, and, and I've sent some mass emails probably to a lot of people that might have made them think I was a little insane. But the problem that I have with it is that we, no matter how creative we get, we end up on uh, platforms, and there's a, there's they're starting to become less and less and less and less and less, and um, that's the main concern because every creative person. If they're all honed into specific, very small uh, uh, assortment of platforms or stores, a lot of problems come come about between that. And you can, you know, yeah, we've lost. We've definitely not completely lost, but lost a lot of the mm -hmm. kind of small record store mm -hmm. community, actual face to face vibe. I feel like, and it's become this more anonymous. Anonymous internet commenting where everybody has an opinion and most of them suck and the conversations kind of go nowhere But I didn't really like those people either. So I can't really say that you know, <laughs> I mean you got you got to understand I you know, uh, you know when I was selling the tapes and everything right um, I, I I started playing in shows only because you know people said hey you, I like this Why don't you come play at this show you know and that's how I met you and that's how I met people but I never tried yeah. To do that, and, and, and at this point, I, I see why. It's like, I'm just simply a producer. I'm not, a, I'm not someone that's seeking anything other than to be hidden and to just do what I do. You want to be in the it. studio. Right. So then I find a conflict when we get into a generation where I'm exposed to be more present. Um, I have to be, you know, I have to play all these different new games that there already were, but I never played them to begin with. So, so, so you, yeah, people have to believe that I'm going to go on about this, you know, forever, because it's, it's just <laughs> something I'm not really a part of, right? per se. Yeah. Um, so you're, it seems like you're, uh, aside from Ghost Producer, your big current project is this Underground Producers Alliance. Yes. Why don't you, yeah. uh, just like for people who have no idea, explain sure. what that is and what you do there. Sure. Um, the Underground Producers Alliance, it's a, it's a school, but it's also, um, excuse me, an artist development production team. And um, it was founded by uh, Scotty Hart from Wu-Tang. Uh, you know, he makes most of the Wu-Tang records. He yeah. produced Gravediggers, New Kingdom. Uh, uh, H. Prism from Antipop Consortium. Uh, myself, Honey Child. Uh, you remember? Yeah, I know Honey Child. And um, Randall Dunn is involved. He was, he's in Sun. He just moved to New York. Hey, Randall. Welcome <laughs> to Civilization. Uh, we got to play and, another track. Oh, God, silence. We got to keep it's the beds going, man. not something we're used to. I'm sorry. This one <laughs> might be scarier. Yeah, this one's terrifying. Let's do another one. Uh, just so everyone knows, I do sound for horror films, so that's why. That's my bread and butter. Okay. Very good at scaring the shit out of you. 
<laughs> As if you needed to be scared any more than you already are. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so Underground Producers Alliance. Yeah, the Underground UPA, it's called www.upa.nyc, is the fucking best goddamn school for music production there is on the face of the planet. I've been teaching for 15 years. I can vouch for it. Dave Q came by and taught marketing in a park. Um, it's kind of based off of something I experienced when I was in high school. I had a lot of problems, uh, yada, yada, yada. I ended up in, in a high school called City As School. Also, uh, Basquiat went there. A lot of great people. Martin Shkreli went there. Okay. The farmer bro. He went there. A lot of great people went there. Um, so so uh, most deaf went there. Ad Rock went there. And Ghost Producer went there. Uh, in any case, what it, what it is is that people go out into the city and they experience, they, they have to do jobs. It's just for people who literally can't like go to school, or, you know, and I was one of, the, I was one of those people. Um, and um, there I worked in sound and I started, you know, 17, I started going to studios, picking up the skills I have now. Uh, I did some stuff in animation, I did stuff in lighting, I did stuff in sound and engineering and soldering, all that stuff. I just, I, I use it up, just like Martin Shkreli did. Right. <laughs> um, he did uh, business, so, you know, but this is a guy who went there. Anyway, I don't bring him into, into this conversation, but I find him interesting. <laughs> also because he's Albanian. Anyway, I, I, I uh, from there, you know, really, really cherished what I got from City Ad School. And, uh, like, I had so many bad experiences in school. I was thrown out of so many. How many years did you go to the school? Not too long, and I didn't graduate either. I dropped out. But anyway, that's another term. Um, then I, uh, so fast forward in the future, I'm teaching at colleges. It really, you know. I'm asked to teach master classes on sound design, music production at uh, all places, UCSD and uh, tons of places. So I'm, I'm spending 15 years doing that, uh, and I find some things that I don't like about it, which are uh, simple, simple things that that everyone knows. You know, it's uh, simply you're going somewhere to an establishment, you're going to go sit there. It's like a cold room. The gear maybe doesn't work because no one really uses it that much. All these things. So I said, well, well, F this. Let's do it all in our studios. Let's teach in our studios and let's get the, you know, the best people I can find in New York City. And so me, Scotty, and H Prism and everyone, we, we just went out. We put the word out. And we did our first program two years ago. And it's been a great success. And it's been growing. And, you know, we still have... The students make records at our school. You know, um, we were finding that... Um, a lot of people were saying that that was going to happen and that wouldn't happen, but that's an art form. It's not something like, oh, yeah, you should, you, you have to just learn this program and you're going to make records. It doesn't work that yeah, way. No. You make loops. So you, you continue on to loop endlessly and never finish anything. And, and so when you want to finish things, you come to the UPA and we, and we go over a lot of techniques and really interesting. Um, everyone has their own, um, you know, completely individual you know, character that they bring to the school. Cool. So, yeah. So, and I believe we'll, in the minute here, we'll get into the, the second, your second set. Yeah, you're you're going to be, why don't you tell us what you're going to do here? You're going to be playing some of your students' music, I believe? Yes. I wanted to, to definitely uh, play some great work by, by students of mine. Um, two students in, in, a, in a particular, Sukatoa Onamal from Morocco and um, A0, who's here from, here in New York. And Chris A Zero 
really dope and we're putting out his, his his album we already put out one of them and we're putting out called unity uni and the the next one we're going to put out also on the upa label oh so you guys have a record label as well yes we have a record label as well and we, we sometimes put out students work just if it's you know something they want to do cool so uh yeah let's get into your second set here uh raz is going to be playing for us until five when we're going to turn things over to dave q so we're going to get back into the mix here and he's going to be like we said playing some of his students music uh you're listening to the bunker new york on red bull radio
one day they came and they took me. And I could say nothing because I was as guilty as they were for not speaking out and saying that all men have a right to freedom on any land. I was as guilty of genocide as you. Yo, 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 just want to give a shout out. Coming up to uh, Do Normal, who was uh, our first scholarship winner at the UPA. And this is over, her over one of my tracks. It's called Nervous. Minkin first and squirrels playing Snow White in Garden. Fortitude and strength is what I said, but I will find. He is a radical human, that is why he's shy. We say it's mine. We say it's mine. Nervous and galactical, to call, to call, to call. Nervous and galactical, to call, to call, to call. Nervous and galactical, to call, to call, to call. Wind the leaf. Wind the leaf. 
Wind the leaf. Shake off the tree. Wind the leaf. Wind the leaf. This one's alternative threat. Wind the leaf. Wind the leaf. Freakatone. It's freakatone. Freakatone. It's freakatone. from alternative threat this is a classic push the lamb into the lake remember it's freakatone into the lake push the lamb into the lake push up the lamb into the lake Push up the lamb into the lake. Push the lamb into the lake. Push the lamb into the lake. Push the lamb. Into the lake.
producer is taking over. <laughs>
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We're just getting out of the mix with Ghost Producer. Just played us some of his own tracks, some of his student tracks, even a track where, uh, from his 12-year-old son who made the beat on the like second-to-last track there. Um, very cool set. And now, for the last hour of the show, we're going to turn things over to Dave Q. He's going to play some music for us before talking to us for a bit. So without further ado, let's get into the mix with dave um yeah man light it up it's 420 this is the bunker new york on red bull radio you're listening to red bull radio
Hold on! 
Bunkerville. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We've been in the mix for the past 25 minutes with Dave Q. Um, probably going to get back into the mix with him shortly, but I'm going to make him get on the mic for a little bit here. <laughs> I'm super talkative. <laughs> um, so, I mean, your, your most well-known claim to fame is obviously Dub War, which was an absolutely legendary party. Um, what, what, what were the years that that went down? Uh, so it started sort of officially in, uh, summer of 2005 and then it went monthly up until summer of 2010. We basically made our five year birthday the very last party. Okay. Yeah, there was sort of a, you know, a six to eight month stretch before it started where we were doing events around New York that, you know, before we had started making it a regular thing. And then after it ended in t- 2010, we kind of went back to that sort of underground sporadic approach. Uh, but really, you know, it was that five-year stretch between 05 and 2010. Yeah, and then there's that twist-up party we were talking about earlier that actually, I think Raz and I played together. One, maybe not the first one, but one of the very first ones. Or maybe it was the first one, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, twist-up uh, happened immediately after Dub War, and it was kind of like a cathartic, experience for me you know after all the pressure of dub war getting bigger and bigger and um and the pressure of what dubstep was becoming because dub war was you know primarily a dubstep night it was known as like one of the early dubstep nights in in the u.s it's like before dubstep what for many years before dubstep became this kind of dirty word yeah and somehow tied into edm i don't even know how that yeah happened I mean, it was many you were, things. you were doing it for a long time <laughs> <laughs> it was many things over its five-year history but you know dub war was always the heart of it i mean dubstep was always the heart of it and i didn't you know, I didn't mind it being that, um, but it became harder and harder to carry the flag for a while, especially after a while, like as it started to get bigger in the U.S. And, you know, for me, it was always meant to be about a diverse combination of sounds, which is what dubstep was about in the very beginning. Uh, and that's why Twist Up afterwards became my outlet for doing what I had always done with Dub War, which is book just interesting, weird music that happens to be bass oriented and played on a big sound system with a certain kind of london centric uh point of view maybe not even that really it became a lot broader you know by the time i started doing twist up but um yeah i mean dub war was like an incredible beast to to guide for those five years and uh, it, it's amazing how many people now years later still come up to me and seem to know about it oh, and yeah. watch the videos i still get bookings all the time because of what dub war was so yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful for for that whole experience what, what were the challenges exactly at the end that were or the things that were kind of making you lose interest or feel pressured so just the direction of the the music was taking or the scene was taking or um no i mean there was all there were always opportunities within all of that to do something interesting uh the problem was that dubstep became part of uh the industry of a shitty industry that i didn't like i didn't want anything to do with and i constantly felt it like fucking biting pieces out of me the 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 more money there was in dubstep you know the business of it like the harder it was to just just do it the way i wanted to and kind of shield myself from all of that and and it just seemed like stopping when we were on a high and letting other people deal with that just seemed like the best way it wasn't this sort of like um we're making a grand statement or anything it was just for my own pleasure and sanity like i was happier to let it leave it alone at that moment where i saw where it was going to go not dub, dub war but dubstep 
more broadly yeah. and I didn't really want to be you know having to deal with that in my life and so I let it go there and I did my own musical thing more underground after that right and what for the entire five years that it was regular was it at club love the entire time uh no the first two years or so um we moved around a bit um the original home was at a place called sputnik in brooklyn in oh Bed-Stuy. yeah i remember that spot it was always like basement vibes like wherever there was a good basement with somewhat decent sound kind of that's where that's where we would do it so i'm just gonna put on another track um but yeah, it really found its home when uh, we were invited to hold it at Love. That was in 2007. Uh, Roz actually played at the very first event at Love with Code 9 and Shackleton. Definitely one of the proudest lineups I've oh, ever yeah, put I was together. Oh yeah, that one. So good. And you know, that was just the best sound system in New York for those few years. And it for was sure. A, and it was the best room in New York. It was medium to small size. It was dark. The people who worked there were super cool and loved good music. And it gave us the freedom to do something that was weird by New York nightlife standards, especially in a room that's that expensive. You know, that's a big, yeah. expensive sound system, expensive lights. Um, and you don't see that in New York anymore. Like, like rooms with that kind of quality uh, playing weird music. So, yeah, I see some dedication mm-hmm. like that in New York clubs now. But what I think New York is very much missing at the moment is a club more of that size like everything Mm. that opens in new york now it's either a tiny little bar that can't really host a Mm. proper proper party or some giant thing that you kind of have to fill with shitty people to fill it like there's not like love was a very very nice size yeah it's been an interesting uh period and i mean it seems like like no time at all since dubbore ended but it's been almost seven years now but it's been interesting seeing the various efforts at creating a uh, a community, a musical community, along the lines of what we did at Dub War, you know, like, and um, I haven't really identified with that much of it. Um, but I, I do have to say, uh, when Lit City was happening at 285 Kent for a period of uh, two or three years there, like, yeah. that was the place in New York where I would go and feel at home, you know, musically around people who I thought were like doing really interesting things and that just felt to me the closest in spirit to what I like you know going out in New York and what I was trying to do as a promoter yeah I mean but I feel like nothing's ever really replicated the it was a really special party and I think just a really special time for that music Mm. when Dubor was so popular I mean people were you just really had people losing it on that dance floor. Like they were really, really, really excited yeah. about the music in a way that you just sadly don't see very often. There's a you know there's a cultural context to how it started to that moment um, in New York that gets a little bit lost. Like 9/11 was still kind of fresh in everyone's minds, and you know you felt it walking around. You felt it in the absence of of weird, interesting music to go out and hear you felt it and everyone being broke and there's just a general sense of anxiety and George Bush was the president which which everyone felt terrible about and there was a need for this music when it came around it satisfied a need it, it spoke and you know it came from London but it spoke to how I was feeling as a New Yorker and that gets lost in people's understanding of dubstep who are maybe too young to have known about it in those first few years 2003 to 2006 7 and uh it's an interesting moment now i think i'm interested to see what the era of trump means for music um in new york and in general 
because yeah, things um, could get really interesting. Really there, there's certainly there's certainly anxiety in the air, but it's a different type of anxiety, and it's a bit more schizophrenic and not knowing what's real. And uh, for me, how that is translating into like music I want to hear and music I'm hearing around me, it's like a different thing from what I've experienced before. It's like this desire to have lots of things just crash into each other unexplainably into something like mysterious. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Bush era was bad, but this is kind of. Not just worse, but a whole, it's a whole other beast, really. <laughs> um, so what are you, what are you up to now? What are you, what are you said? You're still, mm -hmm. you're still getting bookings from Dub War, So you're, you're playing out. Yeah, I play out, um, you know, once a month or so. Um, I don't, you know, sort of like Roz was saying earlier, I stopped trying to promote myself and I stopped trying to like build the brand of Dave Q, the DJ a long time ago. I just like I wasn't going out myself wanting to be in the club so I was like hey if people who have related to me or what I've done like want me to come play I'm very grateful and I, I love it when I do yeah but I don't feel any particular strong emotional investment in what's happening in a particular scene right now at least yeah. in New York so yeah I come out and I play the music that I'm interested in and you know luckily like the gigs keep, keep coming um, and it's nice to see that there are a lot of younger people who have picked up the value of like good sound, of the importance of bass, the transformative power of bass, and the sense of like darkness and all of that, yeah. um, and translating into a particular kind of like underground club music that you know that I relate to. So um, yeah, I kind of like I spent some time in South Africa, met my wife there, DJed there a bit, was there for like four months or so, and. That, still feels kind of like my other spiritual home um you still spend a lot of time there right not a lot I, I usually try and go every now and then it's a really long way to go and it's expensive to go so it's not <laughs> the easiest place to travel to but um but i feel like being there has definitely informed the music i've i've played and liked and listened to in the last few years of my life for sure so do you see at any point in the f in your future, I know, I mean, I remember, especially around the time Dubor and Twist Up ended, you seemed really fed up with producing events, but could you see yourself doing that again at any point? Yeah, I mean, uh, for the last few years, I would have said no, and only in the last few months um, have I started to think maybe I do want to. Uh, I moved to New Jersey last summer. Um, my wife started working in Newark, and I, I have a pretty grueling advertising job in Manhattan, and we moved to Jersey, and I thought, like, oh, cool, it's good to be away from New York for a little bit, but since I've been there, and there's not that much that goes on there in terms of interesting nightlife, I've lately found myself thinking, like, oh, it'd be cool to, like, take over a dark basement in Jersey City, do, like, a weekly or bi-weekly or something, like, bring 40 or 50 people and play weird duck music and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I get way more excited these days as a DJ and... As I run a booking agency as well when people there's so many people that want to do their thing in New York but I think it's way more exciting and there's a lot more potential for something different and weird to happen when people try to do something in some other small pocket of the universe where maybe not a lot is happening yeah so that could be cool I hope you do it yeah thank you and um, and also thank you for many years of the bunker that I've personally loved like yeah, man. going way back to before it was like um, you know, before techno kind of became the total, the dominant force in it. Like I remember you doing some very kind of bass music oriented things, 
going back to like 2002, 2003, and I saw Plastician yeah. at the bunker. He was Plastic Man then. Plastic Man, Confused exactly. <laughs> Plastic Man with a C. At uh, so, what's that place called? Sub something? Subtonic. Subtonic with yeah. the with the wine <laughs> barrels that you sit in. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of my life in that basement. <laughs> and then you also. Did? <laughs> <laughs> Roz got married in a stinky <laughs> rave basement with wine barrels. <laughs> also, it was, I mean, it was amazing working with you, collaborating for a while on the Unsound Festival, you know, kind of at the tail end of Dub War, when uh, some of the kind of permutations of dubstep were starting to filter into what you were interested in at the bunker. It was like a nice moment. Uh, yeah, there was, I, was, together on I was just looking that up. The first bass mutations I hear, I think, was in 2010 that you played at, and we did... At least one or two more. Those were, those were really, really good parties. Really good. The first one, I believe, twenty-five sixty-two and Untold and myself DJ Pull uh, Faulty DL. I believe Sepulchre. It was the first Sepulchre gig ever. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Before they even had a release out, <laughs> it was actually my friend David Last who's like, I don't know, Praveen's doing this new shit called Sepulchre. <laughs> you should check it out. Uh, I checked it out, it was great, and I booked them to play that party having no idea that, well, what was going to happen with both that and the Machine Drum project. Yeah, shout out Machine Drum, shout out uh, Praveen, congratulations, he's about to get married uh, in a few weeks, and also uh, shout out to David Last, I love him, I love his music. Yeah, I actually just spent some time with him a couple days ago in San Francisco. So uh, we've got about 20 minutes left here, I say we get back into the mix and listen to some more music. Sound good to you? Yeah, man. So we're going to get back into the mix with Dave Q. We've got 20 minutes left. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Red Bull Radio. Thank you. 
Listening to the Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Uh, we've got five minutes left here. Uh, we've been in the mix with Dave Q, playing us a lot of really cool, futuristic, genre mashing. We don't know what to call it, and that's a good thing. Music. Um, 
just got a couple minutes left here and we'll be back in two weeks with remedy so tune in for that and uh stay tuned to the station this is the bunker new york on red bull radio Yeah.